Welcome back to Stories from the Field, the superintendent podcast where we tell the stories of incredible leadership under fire through the lens of equity. The last time we talked, yeah, we learned all about Mark Bedell and all the great work he's doing. But um, I think safe to say his superpower is building relationships. And he brought that power to an entirely different context, school system, community. And it's been great to watch his work unfold. Anne Arundel County Schools got a new superintendent, Dr. Mark Bedell. I'm excited, man. I've had a phenomenal first year. It was just crazy someone brought a gun to school. I don't want to be the next school yeah. district on national news because of yeah. somebody getting killed in one of my schools. Dr. Bedell gets it. I don't want to hear what your opinion is. I don't care. It just takes a toll on you. Yeah. It just takes a toll on you. So in talking to Dr. Bedell, he really explains his process about how he builds trust between parties that might be on opposite sides of an issue. Some people will say, I have a gift mm -hmm. for winning people over. And yeah. I would say that three of my, or at least, yeah, three of my top five strength finders are Wu, relator and communicator. Okay. And so what I try to do, Doug, is I lead, I just lead with my heart. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I'm not a political person. I don't ever wanna be a politician. Mm -hmm. I understand that politics is a major role in the work that I do mm -hmm. and being able to politically map how you work with people. But what I try to do is I lead in a way that allows for me to be who I am. Number yeah. one, I don't need this job to survive. <laughs> the worst thing that happened to me is I go back and teach. And the truth is, I'll always be a far better teacher than I'll ever be an administrator. Mm. That's just a fact. So in the end, push come to shove, I'm not out here trying to make decisions just to stay in a role like this because of the salary and because of the access that it allots a person like me to have. So I'm gonna fight differently because the truth is, I'm gonna be fine. It's liberating, right? It's liberating. You're and not so desperate for this job. I'm not desperate for the job. So that's one. So I lead in a very authentic, very transparent, a very honest way. Mm -hmm. And I think for the county executive, he respects that. You know, he's very, I think he's very systematic about it. He knows who he wants to meet with um, and he makes the point of, of making it happen. Um, he, he organizes it so it's on his terms and then people feel good about the fact that he came to them rather than just waiting for them, you know, for them to come mm -hmm. when there's a problem. So that's County Executive Stuart Pittman. And for those unfamiliar with how Maryland government works, County Executives are the second most powerful elected officials to the governor. And then when it came time for budget, he was very good and making sure his staff was very transparent with us about what they were going to be proposing mm -hmm. and worked with us on what we could do, what we couldn't do. And, um, and I wanted to make sure that he had a good budget to work with coming sure. in. And I mean, I've been pretty, pretty consistently supportive of education funding and uh, raise taxes to do it. In fact, we raised taxes this year to be able to do for teachers what he said had to be wow. done. You know, he went out in these town halls and he was not shy about saying, we will not be able to fill vacant teacher positions. And we had 
200 vacancies during most of the school year. Mm. We will not be able to fill those positions if we don't pay it as much as our competition as our neighbors. And he showed our rankings. Mm -hmm. And nobody had ever done that before because nobody wanted to be embarrassed by the fact that our <coughs> rankings didn't look good. He laid it out mm. there. And so it made it easier for me to say, yeah, we have to fully fund this compensation request uh, because we won't fill those positions if we don't. And I needed wow. that to be able to then go to the taxpayers and say, look, we're going to have to raise our property tax and our income tax a little bit to be able to do this. Yeah. And we did budget town halls. And and we came and said, look, we have this extra money. We think we can do this, uh, but we need the, the union to support it. And that's controversial because you're, you're raising starting salaries. Basically, we were hiring people at step three. And right. then step one and two would go to three in that year. Right. Um, but that creates some compression, and, and not all the union members think that's a good thing. Yes. Um, so his good relationship with the union, our good relationship with the union and with him, we were able to pull that off in a very short amount of time. And as a result, I think um, we'll be competitive with our neighbors in trying to hire teachers. So we county executives get together and talk. Yeah. <laughs> and you hear a lot of complaints about the relationships with school boards and, 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 mm -hmm. and superintendents in mm -hmm. some cases. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and a lot of it is over finances, you know, what mm -hmm. is, you know, looking at the books, transparency. We write them a big check every year, but, you know, we don't often, sometimes we right. don't know um, what's really going on. You know, where's all this ESSER money going? And, right. and, um, and that's a big topic um, for the Maryland Association of Counties, the leadership of counties. Yeah. And, and uh, we had a meeting, of, in fact, we had a meeting where we included Superintendents Association for Maryland and, and the School Board Association and, and others with the Maryland Association of Counties trying to improve the relationships. Um, and I found myself, you know, bragging about my superintendent. <laughs> That's great to hear. Yeah, that yeah, is great yeah. to yeah. hear. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of people in education that roll their eyes about politics. There are a lot of people in government, you know, the, in the bureaucracies who know how to make the, the machine work and the politicians come in with their, their ideas and there's a new one, you know, new flavor, new new agenda and it's frustrating. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I think that uh, most of the electeds in, in, in our county and in Maryland want to improve education. They want to have the greatest schools, great school system. And so um, uh, that's there. It's a matter of coordinating messaging and, and convincing the public because it really comes down to, you know, whose side is the public on, you know, and yeah. the politicians will go over the public is anyway. So. I think that's what's worked in our county really well. You know, when he came in and he said, we have to invest because, you know, we're, you thought we were great. We're not. Here's how we rank. You know, he was able to identify our weaknesses and say, yeah. And then for the, for us all to say, you know, we, we say we want jobs. We want economic development. We want to be the best place for all. It, it all is, it starts with, with education, with the kids, with the next generation. Yeah. We're all worried about the future. I think that's the sort of the political thing that people, um, that is common across parties and everywhere is mm -hmm. everybody's nervous. Everybody feels like something's not quite right. And mm -hmm. maybe the pandemic had a lot to do with that with um, what is the next generation going to be? You know, are these kids going to be able to carry on? Are they going to be able to get jobs and yeah. all of that? Yeah. And so there's all this angst. And when you turn that angst into a commitment to improve education, um, it's worth the investment then. So when I met with him and I just said, listen, this is what you're going to get from me. I'm not going to be manipulating data mm -hmm. to make us look better than what we are. I'm willing to put the good and the bad and the ugly out there because mm -hmm. if you guys don't know what the bad and ugly is, you can't help me. And so um, 
And then, like I said, I'm, I want you to hold me accountable just as much as I'm going to hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. And I think when you look people in the eye and you say those things to them, but then if you follow through on the things you said you were going to do, you start to build political capital because people start to say, well, he came in here and said he was going to do A, B, C, and D. And he did all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I have formed, I just have a great working relationship with him and the mayor uh, and because I, because I'm just an honest person. So I'm excited, man. I've had a phenomenal first year. I already talked about building a level of trust throughout the community. I have built a phenomenal working relationship with elected officials. Uh, the county executive and I are very aligned on how we see uh, where this district could go to. Uh, the same for the mayor of Annapolis. Uh, we have a very strong working relationship. I have built relationships with the police chief, the sheriff, and the police chief of the city of Annapolis. I have met with just tons and tons of different leaders, whether it's Mr. Snowden with the caucus of African-American leaders, NAACP, president, the relationships I've formed with our unions. This is the first time, at least I have a chief negotiator who's been here, I think 16 years. Mm -hmm. And she said in her 16 years, this is the first time that all of our negotiated agreements were done before July. Mm -hmm. So we are opening wow. up this school year with every single agreement. Every unit. Voted yeah. on, every unit's done. So they don't, now HR doesn't have to go back and do retro pays or anything mm -hmm. like that. Right. Um, in addition to that, my chief finance officer, Matt Stansky, uh, I think has been here eight years. And he said, this is the first time in eight years that we've had an 8-0 vote on the budget wow. from our school board. So while the relationship, of course, is adversarial. That's the uh, teacher union president, Nicole Disney Bates. This was our most peaceful contract negotiations. We wrapped up before our year ended which for our association is a very big deal. Normally we've been in impasse or arbitration mm -hmm. the past four or five years. So we were able to work together. We were able to talk things out. And yeah, there were times where we didn't agree, but that is part of negotiations and acknowledging that mm -hmm. helped us move forward. I look forward to seeing his innovation. He's got some very out-of-the-box ideas about how to support our students. It's a very diverse county. Mm -hmm. I really look forward to seeing how he does those things and working with him as we try to implement some of these new ideas that he has. I love like it. Like uh, he's talked about allowing some innovation, like maybe some schools go year-round, some mm -hmm. schools don't. Some I've schools, heard him say that. Yeah. You know, some schools start later in the day, some schools start earlier. High schools may have like a staggered start option. He's a variety of ideas. So I think the relationships that we've been able to build and the data that we utilize to justify why we needed certain things in our budget paid huge dividends. I like how his politically non-threatening stance has helped him build on these relationships and really make trusting friends in the community.
we have a beautiful relationship. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of relationships with a beautiful relationship with a lot of people, you know, because I'm a, I'm a no-nonsense type of man. And that's NAACP president, Reverend Dr. Ricky Nelson Jones Esquire. Yeah. And I'm also, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, not just in conduct, but, in my, but not just in talk, but in my conduct. So I, I expect people to obey God's word. I know everybody's not a Christian. I understand that's their business. But when you interact with Reverend Jones, you've got a relationship with me. I don't expect your behavior to fall below a certain level. Sure. And Dr. Bedell seems to be at that level. So we're always concerned about equality of treatment in this country. Uh, this particular county where I'm serving, we've had some struggles in terms of getting the type of equality of treatment of the students at Anne Arundel County Public Schools. There was some statistics, data I should say, that showed some crystal clear trends and things that were occurring in the school system in this county that was very disturbing to the NAACP and very offensive to us. That were born out and supported by data are as follows. Number one, uh, African-American students were less likely to graduate. They were less likely to be assigned to honors programs, um, uh, uh, talented programs, programs of advanced placement, but they were more likely to be suspended, expelled, and also assigned to alternate schools, like certain uh, percentages of success in areas of reading, writing, and mathematics. And so there are a series of things we've been trying to get this school system to reach, and to this day, they still have not reached them. So Dr. Bedell walked into this, a memorandum of agreement that's still pending and has not been satisfied. So when Dr. Bedell walked into this, because of the what we what we perceived as a lack of interest by previous superintendents of schools, there's a high moral bar that I look for everybody to reach. And so when Dr. Bedell came here, I said, Dr. Bedell, we need to talk. Mm -hmm. We're gonna meet with the organizations, but I need to talk to you one on one. Dr. Bedell and I broke bread together, mm -hmm. and he he did something that a lot of times government officials don't do. Mm -hmm. Not only did he listen, but he heard me. Mm. on behalf of the NAACP. And then he responded in a positive way. And so Dr. Bedell responded. I said, Dr. Bedell, what I would like you to do, I want you to consider something, sir. I said, I would like you to come with me to walk through the halls of these schools where we get in complaints from parents about their children being discriminated against. I want you to walk with two black men, well-educated, well-dressed, well-informed, to walk through the schools so the children from our community would know we are concerned about them. Dr. Bedell honored my request. Mm. And he and I, we walked through, we started doing it at the end of the school year, so we're going to pick back up this school mm -hmm. year. But we went to two schools where we had gotten complaints about racial discrimination. Their faces lit up. Mm -hmm. They say, who is that? I said, that's the superintendent of all the schools in Anne Arundel County. Say, who are you? I said, I'm president of WACP. So they lit up. And I said, we want you to know we're concerned about what's going on in these schools. So it changed the entire student body when they saw us. Mm -hmm. Dr. Bedell has been very responsive. When he met with uh, the various organizations that um, are really focused on making sure there's fairness in our schools and concerned about those of African descent, when he met with just our organizations, Dr. Bedell was the consummate professional. And he also expressed how, it was, how important it was for us to be present and to show up and support what he's trying to do. He said, I cannot do this alone. Mm -hmm. you know, now, of course, I reiterate that in our meetings with the executive committee and the NAACP. He cannot do this alone. No one man can do this. This is a job that he's walked into with a memorandum of agreement about how poorly the school has functioned to help our children. So he's walking into, so yeah. to speak, a powder keg. So he needs our support. Yeah. He was very transparent in the meeting with the, with the groups from our community. And I was really moved by his sincerity, his passion, and how he almost came to tears about 
why our children are not being treated. He's data driven. Mm -hmm. What the data shows we need to work on, that's what he works on. Also, we want him to hear from the parents about what they thought were good ideas for the school to help improve the school and make it comfortable for all students without regard to race, color, creed, or national origin, or gender, uh, gender or identity, or LGBTQIA+. Yeah. Dr. Medell is 100% on board with what we're trying to do. I believe that the mm. uh, kind of public school system must improve because he's data-driven. Yeah. And the data shows that our children have been systemically discriminated against in a very real way. And nobody can deny because we got the data. When you see the NWCP protesting or something like that, you can be 100% certain the data has revealed there's racist discrimination, mm -hmm. something along mm -hmm. those lines, and we got the data to back it up. It is systemic, and that's what we focus on. So Dr. Bedell is 100% on board with us in terms of making the schools equal, fair, and just for all of our children. The political nonsense. Uh, he will transform this whole uh, school system. Mm. The direction that Dr. Medell is going in in terms of bringing about equity to all of the children and fair treatment and getting the, the, the teachers and the administrators to understand we're here for the children. I, I made it very clear to people. I will not create an inequity to harm anybody child mm -hmm. in order to fix inequities that have been built into the system that harm children mm -hmm. of color. The history is the history. Yeah. I don't. There are books out here on it. There's a book here that I'm reading on Anne Arundel County. Mm -hmm. 100 years of separate but equal education. Yeah. That talks a lot about the inequities that have been built into the system. So I'm not I'm not out here like I'm never out here trying to make our white counterparts feel horrible about the history. Right. Rather, we have to recognize that the history is the history. And how do we move forward together? And we yeah. can. Wow, the racial divide just really keeps coming up. Yeah, what I found interesting uh, is that the Reverend Doctor's comments were all about the data that supports the impact and evidence of racial bias. And I asked Dr. Bell that same thing and asked him to reflect on, you know, his analysis of the situation here compared with his with his work in Kansas City. I did it in Kansas City in a very non-threatening way. Mm -hmm. and, there, and you wanna talk about racial issues, Kansas City, you can cut through it. You got a divider line that tells you- You drove me through the divider I drove line. you through it. I, I've never, I, I was never more conscious of being a black man in my life until I took on the Kansas City assignment. Mm -hmm. And I had to have those tough conversations there mm -hmm. about how race played out. And in the end, we did our equity work and the data speaks for itself. Kids yeah. won. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. All. Yeah. Let's let's talk a little about Kansas City. Um, the the challenges you're facing. Can you compare and contrast? It's. But all districts have challenges. All kids. All have districts needs, have challenges. But I, these are two very different school systems. I love my time in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And I, that experience that I have, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And I left Kansas City kind of on top of the world. I didn't leave there with people wanting to run me out. I mean, if you listen to the press conference, our board was prepared to offer me another extension to stay for another yeah, three no years. No one wanted you to leave. You had, just, you had just gotten the accreditation. That's correct, right? I was there for six years. That made me the longest tenured 
in over 50 years, people happy about the progress that the district was making. And the district was the first in the United States to lose its accreditation in 2000. We were able to get it back um, January 11th of 2022. I'll never forget the date. Hmm. And I couldn't believe that we got it back. It's just, it was a journey, but I dealt with a lot of toxic stress in Kansas City. So the difference between an urban school district and a system like where I am now, it's two different worlds. There are days where I feel guilty mm -hmm. being here, given what I know our kids have access to compared to what our kids had in Kansas City. When you say toxic stress, you mean on you? On me as a superintendent. Yeah. So I'm having to navigate perception mm -hmm. that the school district is terrible and needs to be abolished. Yep. And having to try to change mindset. That was a real movement. They wanted to yeah, expand Yeah, KCPS. yeah, yeah. Ultimately, there was a lot of money being put into that, right? The proliferation of charters yeah, okay. and things yep. of nature there in Kansas City. And um, just a lot of behind the scene things that were happening where they were trying to mount state, state, state takeover mm. for the school district prior to me getting there. Yep. You had a decline in enrollment mm -hmm. over the years. This was once a thriving school district like what we have here in Anne Arundel. 77,000 students, I believe, back in the late 60s, mm -hmm. down to 14 or 15,000 mm -hmm. by the time I arrived. And once again, not fully accredited. So you're having to fight that. Then you're having to fight the race stuff. Mm -hmm. People not understanding the impact of redlining and all of that stuff that happened back in the 1930s, mm -hmm. you know, white flight that occurred when integration was required and people started to leave the district to go out to suburban school districts, mm -hmm. the proliferation of charters in 1999, 2000, um, and then a lot of dysfunction that occurred over the years. I was fortunate that by the time I got there in 2016, you had a lot more stability with the board. Mm -hmm. But the other areas that was very difficult for me to deal with was the community violence. Mm -hmm. 12 to 15 kids in some cases being murdered on an annual basis. Very toxic. Unbelievable. Um, the permanence of hopelessness where people don't think that anything could be done to make it better. So having to try to convince people that People like the staff. Wait, well, not it's staff, but yeah, because community. Staff, because part of the issue with staff was over a 27-year period before I got there, the average tenure for a superintendent was 1.8 years. Right. So everybody was just like, "We'll wait you out." Yeah. You can. You're going to be out of here in two years. Like when I got there, people said, two years they're going to either run you out of here or you're going to be ready to leave." So that was already the and mindset. You did six. And I did six. And what people did was they would just wait out with mm -hmm. all these superintendents come in here and they got these big plans for right. us but what i did that was different i enrolled my kids into the school system mm. and that was the first time in probably a decade and a half that a superintendent did that not only did i enroll my kids in the system i moved into the city right in the, right in the mm -hmm. heart of midtown mm -hmm. where i was five minutes from the board of education building and we became a part of the community. I served on a number of boards mm -hmm. and I was a part of the community. And that ultimately helped people to lower their guards 
the fact that I bought a house let people know that this guy is committed to being here. Yeah. And so, um, so we did that. And then it was just like other things that inserted toxic stress, fighting against economic development mm -hmm. because Kansas city was ranked number 17 in the country and the amount of money that was being abated to developers. And they weren't fixing the neighborhoods up that truly met the definition of blight. They were fixing right. up downtown, downtown. midtown, yep. you know, uh, Broadway. So I had to fight against that stuff. And it just, it just takes a toll on you. Yeah. That's why I say to people, you have people working in some of these urban school districts and they want to be there and they want to do the work, but the toxic stress doesn't allow for you to make that a career job. So right. you fast forward and you come out here to Anne Arundel. And here's the other thing that inserted stress for me in Kansas City. We didn't, we hadn't passed a bond to do capital work on our facilities since 1969, I believe, or in 67. Wow. So I got a crumbling infrastructure of yeah. facilities, deferred maintenance that's nearly 400 million. And um, we hadn't passed the levy increase since 1967. So you got to use your operating budget. Got to use so every year. I'm having to move operating money over to do capital work. Oof. It's not a. It's just not a healthy no, situation. That's stressful. And so I come here, and I don't have to worry about a bond, because the county and the state funds all of your capital work. Mm -hmm. So we're guaranteed to get money to make sure that all of our schools are up to par. I don't have to worry about that. We're the third wealthiest county, so I can put out a budget request to get the things that I need to get done for the district, and then yeah. we have to deliver on it. I got 130 schools. 95% of my schools have a three-star rating or better, so basically a passing rating. We yeah. only have four schools that have a two-star rating and two that have a one, which are both mm -hmm. alternative schools, mm -hmm. so they shouldn't even be in there. So my goal is I don't want any two-star rated schools. How do I go all in on those fours and make sure that people who are on the brink of falling back to a three don't fall back? Mm -hmm. A lot easier yeah. for us to manage that. We are growing in enrollment here. So I'm in a situation where, yes, I have to redistrict, but I'm redistricting for a good reason. I'm not redistricting right. because I have to Grow. close schools. Yeah. Do you think it is possible that you, you mentioned earlier that being a superintendent in a place like Kansas City is just tremendous uh, stress on the leader personally, right? And I I sat with you after something terrible had happened, I think. Yep. Like a young student had been killed in a bathroom one Correct. of your schools. And I saw how much the pain was like in every ounce of you. I could just see it just from talking to you. And But someone has to leave that school system, right? How do we as a as a educational, you know, ecosystem how do we make sure those kids have a good leader and while also making sure that Anne Arundel can have a good leader to take them through their redistricting, right? Like that's, that's the, that's the challenge of superintendent work. It's, it's hard, man. Like you open up a lot of trauma with that situation. I cried a number of nights and a number of days in my office when that happened. Um, because the worst thing that could ever happen to a superintendent is a parent send their kid to school 
and you never ever send that kid back home. Mm. <laughs> and you never send that kid back home, man. Like, you know, over my years, we have misplaced kids. Superintendents misplace kids all the time. They get off at the wrong stop. They at a friend house. We find them at nine o'clock or 10 o'clock. But to lose a kid in your school, there's nothing lower than that, right? It, it broke me. It broke me, man. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I think for me, when you care like I care, and when you have, and then you deal with a lot of personal trauma that I have dealt with growing up, you know, having my 17-year-old brother get killed in a drive-by, having my sister go missing as soon as I signed my contract in Kansas City and they found her body 30 minutes outside of Rochester, New York in Orleans County. Okay. Um, all of that trauma gets opened up when you have a kid lose their, their livelihood like the way that kid did. And, and then even all of these other kids that are, whether it's happening in the community and they are, you know, being gunned down or whatever, um, it opens up trauma in, in me because of some of the things I've experienced growing up. And so I think the appreciation that people also get from that is that I'm human, mm-hmm. that I understand and that I care and um, that I know I have a responsibility for 85,000 kids that something like that doesn't happen. Mm. And, it's, and so, you know, I think people just have to, you have to have passion and you have to have a heart um, to be able to do this work, whether it's in Kansas City or, or in Anne Arundel. And you know, I, I deal with stress here. It's not as toxic, but I deal with my fair share of stress because because of the large size of the district, I feel like I get more incidents that are happening, but small, small in nature. Sure. Um, and and then I'm dealing with a whole different story here, which is part of the conversation that you heard yesterday in the board meeting about suicides. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want kids feeling like they don't have anybody to go to and then they're committing suicide. Um, so, you know, that's kind of some of the stuff that we deal with in suburban districts more so than what we're dealing with in urban districts. You got a lot of the community factors that you dealt with in Kansas City. Then you got issues here where I think kids in some cases don't feel like they have people to talk to. And we've had a couple of uh, those incidents occur this year. And I just want to make sure that we are a district. When I talk about creating a true sense of belonging, Mm -hmm. that we really are creating that true sense of belonging. Um, that all of our kids know that there's somebody here that they can talk to if they need support and help. And that's kind of um, what our district is going to be intentional in, in how we support students. Yeah. And I think we, thanks for sharing that. Um, I think as a, I think all of us in educational leadership need to be okay with, like, you should not be feeling guilty, <laughs> right? If, if this, if, if anybody hearing these stories hears anything from us, it's that the job is really hard and it's okay to, and, and you know, when, you know, if we up the an, annual tenure, I mean, the average tenure, right? It's like 2.8 nationally. If we can get yeah. that to be more like three or four years, but you know, yeah. you have to move on after four years. Like no human can, can be in a toxic stress situation. 
for their entire career. It's just, it's not healthy. And that's the thing, right? I don't, I, I, I feel like the work that our team did in Kansas City was phenomenal. Yeah. And so I was telling people I wasn't, le- I didn't leave because I wasn't happy with the board. I was happy with my board. Right. Really, I mean, a great relationship with them. They threw a big going away party for me. All of the different members that I work with that were in town showed up. Yeah. So I, um, so I, I mean, absolutely admired and adored my board. It, the people were thinking, oh, is it the board? No, it wasn't the board, right? It wasn't, it wasn't my staff. It was all of the factors outside yeah. of, of the district that I'm having to navigate that just, it just takes a toll on you. Yeah. It just takes a toll on you. What's big of you to admit? Some people want to be, oh, I'm tough. I can, right? But that's not, that's not yeah. the world we're in anymore. And, and I want to be around to see my grandchildren. You know how many opportunities I had to leave Kansas City, Doug? Sure. Probably 21 or so. Oh, yeah. And, and to go to much bigger districts. I still have voice messages from people who call me saying, if you come here, we believe the district will pay you this. Right. And with the business sector is going to make sure that we take care of you because we want you that bad. I could be making a hundred thousand more a year somewhere else, but then I'm dying on the inside because of the stress. Yeah. It's not always, all money's not good money. Yeah. I learned that playing dominoes. We love and respect and know our members and think they're amazing, but to see them in action, to see them in their element in the field, it's just, it's a whole different take on it, but it's harrowing still just to see how hard this job really can be. Yeah, and what I just appreciate about Dr. Bedell is how he can, you know, speak so positively about some of the, the the things he has to deal with that are completely out of his control, and that he just sort of accepts that this is part of the job, this thing that has nothing to do with me or any anything that me or my team have done is now something we have to contend with, and we got to figure it out because the kids need us to figure it out. Yeah, I saw him um, a couple months ago, maybe a month ago in Las Vegas at an equity event. And it, it was after I saw this footage and see all the, the things happening in his own district. And he was there with his wife, still working hard to scope and help other future leaders. Like he's got all this going on and so much stress. And I went up to him and just said, Mark, this is this is so tough. You know, you keep doing it. And he's basically like, I love it. I have no other choice. It's for the kids. And it's just, that's to see him. So, you know, living his life, but there's all this controversy and stress. You wouldn't know it, you know, not that he takes it lightly, but it's yeah, that leadership is just phenomenal. Um, But anyway, what's the future for Anne Arundel? We are excited to be here. We live in, in Anne Arundel County, 2012 through 16, when I worked in Baltimore County. And we loved it then, mm-hmm. and we love it now. And yes, am I gonna have some tough days? Yeah, but in the end, I feel like the team that I have assembled here, the quality of the people that I have here, I, it's just, we got an opportunity, man, to do some amazing things. And I felt that even when I was in Kansas City, mm-hmm. I said, if y'all give me time in Kansas City, that's what I told them, give me longer than two years, I promise you, we'll get accreditation back. And they gave me the time. They let me make mistakes. They allowed for me to fail from time to time. But that school board there supported me. I have gotten nothing but support from my school board here since I've gotten here. And when you get the kind of support that I've gotten as a superintendent, and I'm going into year eight now as a superintendent, I have been blessed to have had support 
from school boards throughout my journey. And when they support me, we get the kind of results that we've gotten yeah. this year. Not a small thing and, and not easy to do. Um, I know you got to go just preview this next year. What's, what are you excited about coming up in the new school year? The most, the biggest thing that I'm excited about at this point is getting this five-year strategic plan built and making sure that it is a community-driven strategic plan. Um, we're gonna begin to look at expanding um, opportunities for more kids to take the pre-SAT. Mm -hmm. We're going to focus on um, the curriculum and potentially get the feedback from the audit so we can look at how we rewrite our curriculum mm -hmm. and make sure that it's a much more inclusive curriculum. Um, you know, we're gonna focus on this true sense of belonging, like I said, and how we build that out. And and then for me, you know, I'm interested in trying to expand athletics, you know, getting mm -hmm. kids more involved at the middle school level in sports. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have a big vision. I don't know whether it happens, but I'm talking to my athletic director about potential for flag football for our girls, you know, at mm -hmm. the high school level. It's a big thing that's happening in California now. Mm -hmm. And with us experiencing the kind of growth that we're having, we're gonna need more extracurricular activities, more uh, social clubs for our kids. Uh, and so I'm just excited about all of that. You know, we're gonna embark on redistricting. Mm -hmm. It's something that we just have to do, even though it's not fun, but we're gonna go through, continue to go through that process. And then most importantly for me, at this point, beginning to truly focus on how do we move this school district forward uh, in our in our performance. I don't want to be ranked number nine out of 24 in academic indicators. I want to be in the top five. Mm. So that's going to be a focus of ours. How do we get to the top five and everything and eventually move to number one? And that's what we're going to be going after. All right. Wish you the best. Thank you. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks for having us here and um, look forward to telling this story. All right. And you know, Sarah, one more thing I, I want to make sure we say. These episodes are not you know, easy to put together, you know, um, Johnny and Cho and our team here, you know, there's a lot of logistics that have to get handled. And uh, without the support of uh, Bob Mosier, who's communications director at Anne Arundel County Public Schools, and Joan Conrad in Dr. Bedell's office and, and Dr. Bedell's entire team there, just, just wonderful folks who um, helped to make sure that we could get people into spaces where we could have these conversations. So I want to make sure we, we express our gratitude to Joan and Bob and everyone in Anne Arundel County Public Schools. We hope you all will come back and join us for the next episode of Stories from the Field, the Superintendent Podcast. So since the time we visited Anne Arundel County, Dr. Bedell got some really great news that we wanted to share uh, as part of the final publication of the podcast that happened after we visited. They improved on the Maryland State Assessments in seven of eight areas last year. So. Um, that's, those are the results that superintendents work to achieve. And in the first year under Dr. Bedell, Anne Arundel County Public Schools achieved those results. And basically we just wanted to share it. Thanks for listening to Stories from the Field, the superintendent podcast. To create these stories, it takes a village. This episode was directed by John Freeman, videography and audio by Sho Matsuyama, 
Chase, Mazo, John Freeman, Sarah Kroll, and Doug Roberts. Edited by John Freeman, Chase, Mazo, and Sho Matsuyama. Stories from the Field podcast was produced for IEI with Century Tree Productions. Be sure to like and share these stories with anyone and everyone. Yes, they are that inspiring. IEI is committed to bringing educational leaders together to ensure that they have the influence, access, resources, and support they need to lift students' voices. We empower superintendents to amplify their voices, becoming thought leaders who shape the future of education.